0: Well, it finishes me, don't worry about it, pal. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let you in here if you weren't a chump. Lombard will be joining you in a couple of minutes. <laughs> now, look here, Shaw. I've had enough of this game and quite enough of this company. Check me out, Clemens. I guess that just leaves the three of us. Yes, Mr. Shaw. It just leaves us three. Mr. Clayton, I think we should take a break for five minutes. Tempers seem to be running a little. high.
1: Oh, come on, lineman I just starting to do good. <laughs> Welcome to Is it really? That challenges popular opinions about movies. The name's Brandon, Zach, and Mitch. Ya And tonight we're getting the mob together to discuss the art of the con and ask, why haven't you seen the sting? Zach, why don't you give us the synopsis for
0: the sting? I gotcha. Following the murder of a mutual friend, aspiring con man Johnny Hooker teams up with the old pro Henry Gondorf to take revenge on the ruthless crime boss responsible Doyle Lonigan. The duo set a plan into motion so crafty, Lonigan won't know what hit him. But as their con unfolds, things don't go according to plan, requiring the pair to think on their feet if they want their scheme to succeed.
1: So what's the deal? Why don't people say Hooker and Gondorf the way... They say Butch and Sundance, and we are, of course, talking about the comparison between the movie The Sting and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, both starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford, both directed by George Roy Hill. I will say that Gondorf and Hooker doesn't quite roll off the tongue the way Butch and Sundance does,
2: right? Hooker sounds inappropriate. I wouldn't let my kids watch a movie with a lead character named Hooker. No right. way.
0: Same with Gondor, if it sounds sketchy. I think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid was a big deal in a time when Westerns were a big deal. So, I mean, the sting is cashing in on their already existing popularity. One broke new ground,
2: one kept digging. I think Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a little bit weirder. Like, it's not a straight Western. There's, you know, strange anachronisms in there. Where The Sting, I actually might disagree, I think it kind of broke new ground for, like, con movies or heist movies. It does feel, like, kind of firmly planted within, like, a crime movie genre to me. It's not doing weird stuff in the way that Butch Cassidy was.
1: I feel like The Sting, in many ways, is an ensemble film, though, you know? Like... Yes, it's absolutely about Redford and Newman. They are the characters with the most screen time. But Butch and Sundance, this movie screams duo to me. They are the only two people in this
0: movie as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Also, if you knew nothing else about these movies, you just knew the titles. Butch, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid versus a movie called The Sting. Like, The Sting almost sounds like a horror movie. You know what I mean? Whereas Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you hear that, you go, oh, Western. There's kind of like an instant connection that you make with one just on title alone. Whereas the other one is, ooh, what what is that?
2: That's true. When I first heard the title, The Sting, I thought it would be like an 80s, like Pacino, kind of more of a mob (laughs) boss kind of movie like that. Yeah. I was surprised that it was this. If Hmm. I were going to be pretending To have seen The Sting, I would have done a Pacino impression, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Hoa The Sting! (laughs) It's a great one. (laughs) I also want to say, I did not realize I already knew the plot of The Sting, because if you watched King of the Hill growing up, they rip it off for an episode (laughs) where Peggy has to get her her money back after she shells out a grand for a fake PhD, and they use the plot (laughs) of The Sting. So... (laughs) I'd already seen that movie uh, on Comedy Central at 1030 when I was staying up late. Yeah. A fake
1: Ph.D. Was it at Trump University?
2: It was the original Trump University. Yeah, I see. Anyone else notice that yeah. the opening credits of the sting reminded them of cheers? Or is that just me? Yeah, the, the hand drawn. The title the, card and the entertainer. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's
1: illustrated. I like that comparison.
2: I was kind of yeah. like coming to myself, making your way in the world today, you know just brought it up
1: yeah it has that nostalgic music the entertainer is a beautiful piece of music also yeah. i love mm. yeah. i love ragtime but that is definitely iconic yeah
0: guys i cannot of that period i cannot express how delighted i was when the opening credits kicked in and like Brandon was saying the ragtime music and that vintage old they were going through the cast and whoever one is
2: i was just like ah oh, i'm gonna enjoy this movie i'm so happy it's funny, The Sting like made me like that song again, because The right. Entertainer to me is just like crappy piano recitals. And mm. then hearing it at the beginning of this movie, I was like, oh, there was a time when this was enjoyable to listen to. Right. Thank you, Scott Joplin.
1: I have a pretty long history with this movie, so I have always associated that piece of music with the movie, which right. is fortunate for me. Mm. I love how the movie opens on... First of all, the dirtiest street I've ever seen in my life. And yes. then
2: yeah.
1: right there sits the Salvation Army. I missed Juliet, it. Illinois. Really? Yeah.
0: You see like the bottom corner of the sign. I do have a question for you. How did you come across this movie? Because I may have to turn in my film fan fanatic card, but I'd never heard of this thing until you mentioned that you wanted to do an episode on it. So
1: I want to say it was my aunt introduced this movie to me she is uh, also a fan of the podcast but i feel like i was probably in middle school early high school and i would just peruse her movie collection
0: occasionally and she had the sting in there and because i think mitch and i we just saw it for the first time
2: yeah like yeah yeah, a few days ago yeah first time yeah i think it's kind of a hidden gem like you've either heard of it or you haven't and if i'd watched it earlier i would have known who paul newman and robert redford were a lot earlier in my life than I did learn about them so
1: yeah and I think someone like me who who saw the movie ages ago I'm always shocked when I find out that like people haven't seen it and they don't know what it is or they haven't heard of it and it just depends on your perspective and people come by movies different ways So Sting won seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. What makes this movie so much fun to watch?
2: I think one thing for me is it's just a great caper movie. Watching this movie, to me, it felt a little bit like it's a a brain teaser. Felt like I was at Cracker Barrel doing one of those little puzzles. And by the end, when I figured out what had happened, I was like, oh, I'm not an ignoramus. I'm a smart person. I I was able to follow it and leaning a little bit on my time when I was, you know, one of those creative writing majors uh, out of college. Something I thought was really impressive is the way that information is revealed, how it's slowly kind of doled out. I think a key to a good con movie is you want to feel in on the trick. Yes. Uh, you right. want to know how the scheme is working. And even if I don't know everything and there's a twist that surprises me, uh, it's important for me to know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are uh, and to feel on the inside. And I think the thing does that really, really well. Right. Yeah. Um. One of the things that
0: I really, really enjoyed about the movie was just kind of some of the, those lines of dialogue at the beginning. Like, I love the scene where the guy just says, no, no, no cops when they're doing the bit where where Luther pretends to get robbed. Just that right. opening, mm-hmm. quick-paced dialogue. Because I think, you know, when I'm sitting down and I'm watching a movie from the 1970s, I'm expecting it to be, by comparison, a little bit slower for it to drag in some places. So I kind of <laughs> sit down expecting that. But then the movie just kind of like, it just got going... Right away, so I was like, "Oh, okay. Like, I, I guess I'd better
2: fasten my my seatbelt." Yeah, as we all know, movies made before 1980 are boring and slow. <laughs> Not what I said, but <laughs> okay. I know, but I feel that way too. I do feel that way. I'm like, if it's older, it's going to be kind of a drag sometimes. Right. Like, well, there's like I
0: have to pace myself because they're gonna like they really love to take their time to set up every
2: character's backstory before we do anything else. Yes. Luther had another one of my favorite lines in the movie. It's kind of a throwaway. It ain't too exciting, but it's mostly legal. And he, right, says, right. It. he said it, says it kind of sincerely, but I just thought it was a nice, uh, nice throwaway. Yeah,
1: I think The Sting has a lot of the same things going for it that Ocean's Eleven has. The premise is exciting. You know, it has a great cast. Robert Redford and Paul Newman, two of the biggest stars of, of their day. I love the scene where Gondorf, where Paul Newman's character, assembles the team. That, to me, is iconic heist movie. You have to assemble your team. And just the the cool factor, it definitely checks all those boxes for me. The suits, the music. Yeah, just that 30s feel to it. And I think Robert Shaw makes a pretty good villain. I don't know how you guys feel, but he, to me, is a pretty looming character,
2: Eat your heart out, Benedict.
0: (laughs) I I will say that in um, The Sting, I think where the film is a little less fun for me than uh, with more conventional or more recent heist films is that the villains actually feel scary in this movie. Like the bad guys actually feel really bad and really dangerous. And when they take their revenge, it's always, ah! So they feel more perilous than in like a... (laughs) You know, Oceans Eleven, where it's kind of like, oh, he'll kill you, then I'll go to work on you. Or other movies where like the bad guys, they're scary, but it's kind of like through a lens of like, it's so big and ridiculous. Whereas you see how scary the mob is in the 1930s, which kind of it cuts back on the fun for me a little bit, but the movie's still a really good time.
2: I disagree. I think I want him to feel I'm talking about Shaw. I want Shaw to feel smart enough and threatening enough that if i'm about to watch him be fooled for two hours he doesn't seem clueless so i i like that he is not undercut by being uh comedic that was my problem with the sequels and the oceans movies like now benedict's a big joke and i'm like what happened to the big Mm -hmm. scary guy yeah right and again i don't say that that's a flaw with his
0: character i'm just saying that that makes the movie a little less fun for me but i think that that's appropriate i think that
2: that's fine yeah, I feel you. It's funny that you mentioned uh, assembling the team, Brandon, because this to me felt more like assembling an army. There were right. like hundreds yeah. and hundreds of con men. It was like a John Wick level kind of world building where they can set up a, a fake horse racing, you know, facility and staff it in like four days. It was just insane to me.
1: Right. When Redford is asking Newman, like, how you know, can you get some guys? He was I forget. He was asking him something like that. And. He responds, I don't know, I may only be able to get two or 300 guys. And I like laughed, I think, the first time I heard that. Because that sounds ridiculous. Like two or
2: 300 guys, you know? Yeah, like I was like, seems where, like, a ton of guys. Where is the FBI? <laughs> are they not doing their job? <laughs> right. I only know 300 unprisoned criminals that I can call on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like that
0: John Mulaney joke where he says, you know, back in the day, people would just run in. And if anybody
2: asks, you tell them it was Golden Joe and Sunshine. Game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The criminals are good guys. They're just like hard, you know, on their luck.
0: They, they need a break. Right. A- another thing is and this is going to sound really bad. But again, I was trying to put myself in that mindset of okay, it's 1973, and I sit down in the theater to watch this movie. I was kind of blown away by um, like there was a lot of profanity in the movie and there was like a scene in a strip club, like within the first like five minutes of the <laughs> right. movie.
2: So it was I'm thinking, a burlesque pro- show. <laughs> all oh, right. Yeah. It's not a strip okay. club. That's very but different. The,
0: but burlesque. it's the 70s. <laughs> for, for all of our 30s.
2: burlesque uh, performers out there <laughs> listening, it's an art form. We respect it. It's different yes. from stripping.
0: Okay, fine. They're at a burlesque show. They're swearing. They're committing crime. Like, I was... That's the level of detail
1: you get here on this podcast. We like that distinction. We make the distinction between...
2: Stripping and burlesque. (laughs) I have very specific things I choose to care about, and that's one of them. (laughs) I I wrote in the beginning, uh,
0: this is the filthiest movie I've ever seen, just out of the gate. Oh, my goodness gracious. I I was expecting a very, like, you know, like, Oh, we we're gonna go steal twenty five dollars from the soda jerk. Whereas I was like, oh my, the, the, the big crimes and murder and death. Wow.
1: <laughs> oh well, is this the most entertaining film to win Best Picture?
2: No, I thought so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> name a better one. I, name one think, word answers again, yeah, Zachary. Name, name one <laughs> more entertaining Best Picture movie because Best Picture movies are a drag. I went with either The Apartment or My Fair Lady. Okay, well, three people have seen The Apartment other than me and you who are listening. So (laughs) uh, talk about My Fair Lady. Yeah, I think, you know, I think My Fair Lady, it's because I almost wrote I, I, I picked out
0: a couple. You do have like an American in Paris. You do have West Side Story, The Sound of Music. But a lot of those kind of have a bit of a, they have dour endings or very serious moments. I also put down The French Connection because, you know, that's kind of just like a fun, that's a super fun movie. But I think that My Fair Lady, just in that it's a musical, it's got Rex Harrison and Audrey Hepburn. It's just very delightful. So I think that that's kind of where it gets into, well, are we going for fun, like fun, fast paced, like action and cool guys talking or are we going fun like delight. You know what I mean?
2: Here's how I approach mm, the yeah. question. If okay. I had a if I had to show this movie a show a movie to the largest population of people and I want them to like it the first time they see it. What's that movie going to be? My Fair Lady is a musical. Like if you're right. into musicals like me and you sure but right. I know a lot of people who would not want to watch an old Rex Harrison musical or something like The Sting it's it's great. It's crafty. It's good natured. There's lovable leading men it's a fun time. There's Joplin Ragtime songs playing, and then it's a genuinely interesting movie with some good twists. So I think it's more like it just checks all the boxes for like most people, I think.
1: I think I'm with you, Mitch. The only other one that I would possibly throw in there is Argo, even though it is a very serious movie. Uh,
2: Such a bummer. Yeah.
1: Very heavy scenes. Yes. A lot of things that, you know, don't exactly put a pep in your step, but I do remember loving it instantly, and I'm just thinking about like Arkin and Goodman that combo. Yeah, very Super fun good. to watch.
0: Right, and and then another thing I thought of with fun is movies that are a nice surprise that they won Best Picture. Like it's kind of fun that Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture, but that movie's not fun at all. <laughs> uh, Return of the King. It's kind of fun that that movie won Best Picture That's because not it's question.
2: like... That's the question. You're saying, is it right. surprising that these movies won? Not no. what's a fun movie. It, it, no, I'm saying it's like it, you have
0: fun movies versus like it's fun. Like it's super fun that Return of the King won, like swept at the Oscars and won Best Picture. It's kind of cool that Gladiator won Best Picture. But if you're talking just like pure fun, I do think, you know, The Sting, The Apartment, and My Fair Lady... They kind of have the market cornered there.
2: Can I do it too? It's kind of fun that Twelve Years a Slave won Best Picture. It's, it's kind not of fun, fun that, at, it's at Kind all. of fun that Moonlight won Best Picture. Isn't it a gas that the Hurt Locker won? And super Ex- wait, super fun yourself. that Schindler's List won. Like it's <laughs> explain yourself. Like if you just say before the movie, it's fun that it won. You could do that. No, with it. no,
0: no, no. Oh. I said it's. I said that those movies are fun because you don't expect them to win. Like it's a fun story to be like. Hey, remember when this movie that we what this movie that wasn't Oscar Beatty won best picture? Like there's elements of that that seem like for me, I start thinking about those kind of movies as like it's cool that they won. but when we're talking about the movie in and of itself. I think that's when you get more into the, well, the actual movie that's most fun is this
2: or that. Right. But that's why I love The Sting so much, because right. it's not Oscar-baity, like you were just right. saying. I agree. Like a yeah. movie like uh, like The Sting could easily feel like The Departed to me, where it's like, it's a crime movie with a message. It's a crime mm-hmm. movie saying something about society. And I love The Departed, right? right? The Sting yeah. is not, there's no deeper message, there's no social lesson. It's just a fun, uncynical movie. For me, there's few cinematic thrills that can match watching a crew of super smart professionals with different specialties doing their thing.
1: Are Paul Newman and Robert Redford the greatest bromance in Hollywood history?
0: We've talked about this before, and I think that when you talk about bromance, are we talking about the actual best friendship or what their friendship has brought us? And I think that those two have probably brought us the best movies. But when I think about bromance, Mm. I was thinking a little bit behind the camera and my all time favorite Hollywood bromance is the friendship between Martin Sheen, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, Francis Ford Coppola and Brian De Palma. Like, that's my, like, very favorite friendship in that they were, like, passing each other movies. Like, Brian De Palma famously, uh, they offered him Taxi Driver, and he said, it's not really my style, but Martin Scorsese would probably enjoy it. And, like, they were, like, producing each other's stuff and getting it made. So that's probably my favorite bromance. But if we're talking strictly actors and strictly how good is the stuff that they're making, I think that Newman and Redford probably...
2: Take the cake in that aspect. I don't want to say I have the perfect answer, but I but I think I have the perfect answer. Are you ready? Yes, I built it up mm. too much. Dang it. All right. It's <laughs> it's Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I do love them. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's a little yeah. left field. But if I'm thinking like, what are the movies they, they gave us? They gave us three of the best comedies, probably of at least, you know, the last couple decades. And also Paul. And also Paul. Yeah. But that's the thing. You, it's good. hard to compare them to Paul Newman and Robert Rufford, because they only made two movies together. Uh, right. Right. That's a good point. So they're very, very good movies. And I love their chemistry in those movies. But, you know, they only did two movies. And they also do more in that, like, they
0: write. The, they write the movies together and, you know, they're behind the scene. They're behind
2: the camera also. And in front of the camera, they're kind of the mm-hmm. full package in that regard. Yeah. Plus, I like they, that. they came up as buddies, too. Like they were just one. Uh, Simon Pegg was an actor. Nick Frost was like working at a Mexican restaurant, I think. And then yeah. they just wrote something for Spaced. And that's how they, you know, broke in. So I, I think that's cool, too.
1: Well, one that came to mind for me is Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. And I feel like, well, like why it sticks out to me is not just their on-screen chemistry, but their off-screen chemistry. Right. Um, I've seen them do a couple things, but you know, I, one thing that comes to mind is that I remember them presenting an Oscar award one of the years, and I just remember thinking they were like the two coolest guys in the world. <laughs> um, but something something <laughs> feels fundamentally different to me about the. Newman-Redford relationship. It feels more like a mentor-mentee relationship. It's definitely compelling on screen and it's a good watch. I wonder if it's maybe not as memorable as like two peers who are, I don't know, kind of on the same page, joking, banter, plenty of banter in the sting, obviously. I don't know. I just was curious if maybe you guys had thoughts on how this just feels different than some of these other like a George Clooney and Brad Pitt and some of these other guys. I right. feel like
2: George Clooney and Brad Pitt have a similar dynamic, even if it isn't laid out as mentor and mentee. It still feels like Clooney's running the show and, and right. And Pitt is kind of the, the second. And that's kind of how it feels, because to me, at least in the sting, because Redford dominates a lot of the movie even if he is the up and comer. Newman comes in and he's really compelling when he's in the movie, but he's in it much less. So I I think they balance each other well. I mean, in this day and age of uh, celebrities like Instagrams and everything,
0: it's so easy for actors to talk about who they like working with and and stuff like that. Whereas I feel like Newman and Redford, they don't have to tell us. We can just see how much they enjoy like working off of each other in these movies. Yes,
2: yeah. And that's the part of the question that interests me. I'm not that right. interested in off-screen friendships and spats, Same. but yeah. when it bleeds into the movie, that is interesting to yeah. see. It right. is
1: it is all about the on-screen chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever whatever happens in front of the camera. You're absolutely right.
2: They just look at each other sometimes in this movie and there's like this instant communication, there's like this electricity, and it's yeah. enjoyable to watch that. Uh they just exchange these glances
0: right at at the risk of sounding not that cool, I think about Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland, and that it doesn't seem like they go and hang out and stuff. But when you see them in the Marvel movies, it almost feels like Holland kind of grounds Downey Jr and Downey Jr. gets Holland to kind of like raise his game, and like just seeing that like oh, they both kind of can like feed off this element that the other actor has, and in that. A lot of their scenes together become the best part of the of a lot of the movies that they're in.
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: And to to your point, Mitch,
1: I remember reading a review on The Sting, and the reviewer, of course, was dead wrong about the movie. He was talking about how they were cast as old friends. Gondorf and Hooker are cast as old friends, and of course, they're not. They meet oh, for the first yeah. time, but. I feel like you definitely could, if you missed maybe a, a minute or two of the movie, you definitely could think they are old friends because they have that on-screen chemistry. I mean, they feel yeah. like old friends from the get-go. Uh, we just, you know, all of us happen to watch the whole movie all the way through, so we know that they meet <laughs> for the first time on screen. But right. I think it is a good point.
0: Mm-hmm. I think another piece of the relationship that we might be missing out on is director George Roy Hill and that he'd already worked with these guys before. So there's probably a big element of, oh, I know how these two work. I know how to get the best out of them as a team. Mm -hmm. So like, it was interesting because when they first meet, it reminded me of Blazing Saddles a little bit. The scene where uh, Gene Wilder and uh, I'm blanking on his name when they meet and that's a Western and I was like, oh yeah, like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a Western like it felt a little bit like like a Western uh, in that opening scene so I was like oh there's that same director and there's those same guys kind of like figuring out what works with all three of them as a team
2: well, originally, Paul Newman's part was much smaller and sure. it was supposed to be this kind of overweight side character. And not then when well, when the director said, I'm going to bring Paul Newman back to right. work with him again, they rewrote the character and put him in a lot more. So I think you're right. Yeah, the director. It's not it's not really a bromance. In some ways, it's like a trifecta or something. Yeah. No.
1: Well, adjusted for inflation, The Sting is the 21st highest grossing movie of all time. It made more money than Raiders of the Lost Ark, Godfather, and The Avengers. Why isn't it
0: remembered in the same company as all these greats? Simply put, innovation. We'd already seen, like I was saying earlier, we'd already seen Newman and Redford together. And The Sting, while being a great movie... It's kind of just a great movie. It isn't as innovative as Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Godfather, or Avengers. And also those three films also have great sequels. Does anyone know about The Sting 2? Is there a Sting (laughs) 2? There's a Sting 2. It doesn't have any of the original cast. It has the same director, but none of the original cast. And I didn't watch it, but apparently, woof.
1: Yeah, The fact that it has the same director is concerning. I feel like right. if it yeah. didn't have the same cast and it didn't have the same director, then in my mind, there is no Sting 2. I agree. You know? Yeah. But the fact that the director came back, right? that's what makes it a little more concerning. Like, uh, you kind of have to pay attention to that a little bit then, you right. know, and the fact that it's bad.
2: <laughs> that right. doesn't bother me as Just... much. There's a Lion King 2, a Lion King 2 one and a Half, a Lion King 3. You know, there, there's lots of sequels to good movies. That's that's the kind of behavior, though, we expect out of Disney. Right. <laughs> they're no good. Right, for us. But, <laughs> but again, so so to put it to put
0: it more basically those other films that you mentioned, Brandon, they, I don't want to say they're cheating. But, you know, you don't just have Raiders of the Lost Ark. You have Temple of Doom.
2: Yeah, it's a franchise. There's more going yeah. on. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I get you there. I think part of it, too, is just like it's more self-contained. It's uh, smaller in scope. Like, uh, I think movies that are sprawling and trying to do a lot of things can be more memorable than the tighter, more self-contained movies. Like, we're going to remember Endgame. We're not going to remember Ant-Man. Uh, I think Ant-Man in some ways is a stronger movie than Endgame, but and that's not the only it's not just scope that makes us remember that. But the point being a movie that is trying to do less, it's easier to put it in its little corner. Forget about it.
0: Right. There's also a level of storytelling when something kind of becomes legendary. When the original Star Wars came out, I hear stories from people, you know, who were around them like, oh, I had to wait in line and all this other stuff, and here's who I went with. And now there's a new Star Wars movie coming out in theaters this year. You know, they're talking about a new Indiana Jones movie. Maybe there's no more Godfather movies, but, you know, we definitely see that influence with like, you know, a lot of Scorsese's work and other stuff. So I think there's still kind of that story tied to, oh, when I saw this movie, yeah, I remember feeling this way. And now I kind of see the echoes of that. Whereas The Sting... I just don't think you have that same level of, oh, I remember where I was when I saw the sting. And now I see kind of how that's played into modern culture here.
2: I think some of it, too, the dialogue in the sting is there's a lot of grifter slang, but it's not easy to remember that dialogue because it's right. It's a lot of like subtle jokes. I think if you are. Uh, paying attention and a fan of movies, then you're going to appreciate what what it's saying. But you've got to be kind of focused. It's not as quite as easy to just separate those lines as some of those other movies we've talked about.
1: Yeah, when I was thinking about this question at first, I was a little baffled because, the, you know, The Sting has good nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying to pinpoint why it maybe wouldn't be yeah. memorable in the grand scheme of movies. And Raiders of the Lost Ark is definitely a blockbuster avengers blockbuster the godfather probably wasn't made to be a blockbuster it's not like a big movie in terms of you know like the way we think about the raiders or avengers but i wonder if a movie like the sting like a heist movie with a big reveal or twist at the end uh, does a movie like this have a issue
2: with not being as
1: rewatchable as some of these other movies
2: well maybe i don't think that can be the only thing because a lot of those iconic movies are not super rewatchable for me, at least a movie like The Godfather. It's it's a great movie, but it's not one I want to pop in like every Sunday afternoon. So that and that that's just my taste. But right. uh, I think I think a lot of great movies can be hard to for us to want to rewatch them. So I don't know. Right. And, and even taking rewatchability
0: aside, Like, I feel like The Sting doesn't have that big, memorable moment. Like, Godfather, you have the horse head in the guy's bed. Indiana Jones, you have him running away from the boulder. Uh, Avengers, you have, you know, that big battle scene in New York. You have all these big moments, whereas The Sting, like, the moment I remember is where Paul Newman pretends to be drunk and plays poker, which is a great scene. But it's not one, like, if you were talking about the movie with somebody else... You would be talking about how good that performance is. Whereas I feel, you know, Indiana Jones, remember that scene where they have that fight near the the helicopter or remember that scene where this other cool thing happened? The sting just isn't. While it's fun, I don't think it's as cool. It doesn't have those cool beats that are super memorable.
2: To address your other part of the question, Brandon, do movies with twists lose rewatchability? Uh, I think it depends on the quality of the movie leading up to the twist. Nice, so, yeah. like, I, I'd gladly rewatch The Sixth Sense. I would gladly uh, rewatch Ocean's Eleven uh, because those are good movies outside of the twist. Uh, a movie that depends on some sort of last minute, you know, Deus Ex Machina to come in and, uh, and and save the the terrible movie or. Some sort of last-minute twist to make me remember it, like Saw, you know, like every right. Saw movie. I'm just not. I don't think it's as it it's as rewatchable because it doesn't stand on its own.
0: Right. right. I think about a movie we mentioned on the podcast before. Now you see me, which the first time you watch it, it's Great like a pretty fantastic oh, okay. movie. <laughs> that's oh that's enough of that. The,
2: the Citizen Kane of those kind of movies. Of what? S- what? I know, it's, I couldn't wait, even. What? The Kane <laughs> <the, the citizen laughs> of Jesse Eisenberg magician movies, go. Okay, uh, there so, we go. so
0: the, the first time you watch it, like the movie's okay. It's a little, like it's a little dry. It's not the most entertaining movie in the world, but when it gets to that plot twist, which spoilers, Mark Ruffalo, who seems like he's been the FBI agent, has been the leader of the hand the whole time. Like in the theaters, there's that moment of, oh my gosh! And then when you leave and start thinking about it you go oh that that doesn't make any sense at all now does it so I think that when you have movies like that you don't want to revisit because you're like oh it's so stupid I can't believe they tricked me into thinking that was good whereas when you do like Mitch was saying you have good movies like The Sting and The Sixth Sense I feel like the plot twist isn't that like mind-blowing in The Sting it's just kind of like a nice oh that's that's very interesting
1: yeah I feel like it is significant. It and by the way, the sting is very rewatchable for me. I am okay. I kind of I'm kind of painting with broad strokes here, but it's very rewatchable for me. I feel like there is quite a lot of buildup to the twist at the end. Like there are parts when I'm questioning, oh gosh, is he backstabbing Gondorf? Is Hooker, you know? pulling a deal with the FBI? Is he actually kind of throwing his lot in with Lon Like I'm questioning these things as I'm watching, mm-hmm. you know, obviously hoping that he's not turning his back on him, but like all these like little, um, lies are sneaking into my, my head whispers. And at the end, that big scene, Newman shoots Redford. Yeah. I don't know. Like I come flying out of my, out of my seat every time. Like it is, it is a big moment for me.
2: Yeah, it's a little one 2 punch. I like that there's a twist before with the shooter being a woman and the guy comes in and saves them. I I thought that was the twist people were referring to when they told me about this right. movie. Uh, so it was great that there, there was an even bigger reveal after that. But yeah, I, I've only watched it once, <laughs> but I, I think <laughs> I'm with you, Brandon. I think I'm going to enjoy rewatching it. One last thing, one last thing, and then I'll I know we're long. But what I will say is even though I think we've all hit on the fact that we think Less people have seen this movie. Uh, I think you can trace the movies that have been inspired by The Sting all throughout yes. cinema, and I think it may be a well kept secret, but I think it's probably an influential movie for cinephiles and directors. I right. see, I've seen this card scene again and again in movies like Rounders and Casino Royale. I've seen like even just like the title, The Sting. Uh, to me, right. I was like, this reminds me of like The Prestige. Uh, like it's yeah, just yeah. little nods like that that I think may have been inspired by The Sting.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. Next case. Please state your names for the court.
2: Butch Cassidy. Sundance Kid.
1: Thank you. The trial of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid.
2: The way I see it, we can either fight or give. If we give, we go to jail. I've been
1: there already. These men are on trial for stealing the Sting's recognition.
0: How can we steal the Sting's recognition? We were here
2: first.
1: You always said any one of us could challenge you, Butch.
0: Well, it's because I figured no one would do it.
1: Well, you figured wrong, Butch.
2: You guys can't want the Sting.
1: Well, the Sting looks better on paper. It's got that best picture win. So why hasn't anyone seen it?
2: Well, that's because everything's different now. Con men have to be even more stylish. They have to plan even more elaborately. The Sting doesn't even sound like a movie about Grifton. It sounds like a horror movie. Yeah, we didn't steal anything from The Sting.
0: We were here first. We released a film with a huge scope, a large ensemble of classic characters, nonstop action, gunfights, knife fights. We were larger than life. A larger than life Western. The Sting wasn't as loud. Well then
1: why hasn't anyone seen The Sting?
0: Sundance?
2: We were here first. We came back with our director. Everyone had already seen us together. The Sting might be better, but it certainly wasn't bigger. You can't blame us for that.
1: Fine, you were there first. However, I do have one question. Initially, your film was met with mixed reviews. The Sting won Best Picture. Now what do you have to say about that?
0: Maybe that's why no one remembers The Sting. Our film led to discussion among movie lovers about whether our
2: film was good or bad. The Sting won Best Picture and everybody loved it. Where's the conversation? Right. The Sting may have the Oscar, but do the Oscars even matter in the long run?
1: But The Godfather, Star Wars, The Avengers, Indiana Jones, everyone instantly loved those films. Why do we remember those?
0: They had sequels! You had to go back and re-watch those before you saw the new one. Sequels can tend to bring in more audience members. Great sequels give the original a legacy.
1: But The Sting had a sequel!
2: Too little too late! That movie was ten years later with an entirely different cast! By the way, it's awful.
1: Well, well, well. You crooks were here first with a more controversial film. That checks out. Controversy loves company. You're also suggesting that a best picture win doesn't mean much. I guess that's true. I mean, who's seen the artist? And finally, the sting too didn't exactly help things. I guess that makes sense. But I still don't like what you two did to the sting.
2: We've got to get out of here. Who knows what he'll say next? Look, there's a cliff. All right, I'll jump first. Nope. Okay, then you jump first. No, I said. What's the matter with you? I can't swim.
1: Hey, Butch, it's the fall that's going to kill you. Anyways, you two are free to go. Next on trial will be Vinny Bag of Donuts. That's going to do it for our episode on The Sting and week two of Crime Month. We would love to hear your opinion on our episodes or just movies in general. So if you haven't already, hop on over to our Facebook page and join the conversation. We can be found at the is it really podcast. We are always trying to post entertaining and thought provoking articles or polls to get things rolling. And we would love for you to jump on in. Don't forget subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're up to it, please give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. We will return next week with our episode on my cousin Vinny. You are not going to want to miss this one. So we will see you then.